there's quite a lot to be learned in terms of, of handling body, mind, the heart skillfully. Um, and of course, the learning curve is that if our minds and hearts were that skillful, we wouldn't have any suffering anyway. So we're actually, the tools themselves of the mind and heart are, you know, things we have to learn how to sharpen or soften or be more dexterous with. So it's not like you've got a, an, an instrument that's, that's perfect and uh, a topic to deal with that needs sorting out. You've actually, you know, the, the instruments are part of the topic uh, the dull mind, the forceful mind, the reckless mind, the uh, angry mind, <coughs> fearful mind, deluded, distracted mind. Um, and very often these, these um, kind of flaws and and hindrances are themselves covered by attitudes views and attitudes is a way of as a delusion and it, 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 it masks the real point so strangely enough we have to come to the to the body uh, which is least deluded but in a way least able to to do anything. When we're sitting or walking, the body, body can't do very much. Uh, it's got a kind of an intelligence in that it's sensitive and receptive, but it, it can't speak, it can't tell us what to do. Um, this means it also doesn't get deluded, it can't deceive us. But it, So we can just be this body that's suffering, for the stress in it, and what's what's wrong? What's, you can't get it, you know. So the mind tries to pull it together, or soften it, or brace it up, or make it this way, make it that way. But it hasn't really listened. It hasn't actually known how to listen, or how to attend to to the body. Mm. So my first is just of our practice is, is kind of uh, negotiating right? really how do we how do we hold our bodies with our minds <clears throat> how do we hold our hearts with our thoughts do we do we dismiss them do we give up on them do we get um, fearful of our hearts frightened of them angry with them and so forth so, and then if the, if our if we're leading from those places of uh, resentment or helplessness or can't do this, then we're actually injecting a kind of poison into the whole system. So the most active part is is the thinking mind, the speaking thinking mind. Mm. And just know what does that do? Because whatever we think. About ourselves carries a particular charge that then goes into our systems. Even to think about someone else is going to, you know, suffuse that because you can't separate the thinking mind from the rest of the, the system. If you think in any kind of ill will or or lustful way, then your system has to receive the results of that. And that means the heart is affected, and uh, <clears throat> there's also a bodily effect, which is when the heart can't cope, can't manage it anymore, has to discharge it, you get uh, the bodily effects. Mm. So our thinking is, first of all, just very, very uh, simple and quiet, not, not tremendously, um, doesn't really know what to do. It should, in a way, give up knowing what to do. It's more just something that can say what's happening. 
oh, it's like this, it's like this, it's like this. And how is it? How is it? It's like the mind, the heart, the mind is listening, thinking mind is listening, trying to take it in. What's really going on here? And in, uh, so we should be aware to keep that, that quality present and the things that um, take away that quality, we can recognize, um, you know, are when some form of delusion is moving in. Things are, oh, don't bother. Or, um, you know, this, something like that. So you get something that, that directly goes against the spirit of Hiriyotapa, which is a, considered a universal for any realized being, is a sense of conscience and concern, which starts off as being based upon ethical standards. We're scrupulous. It, we're concerned. You have to be uptight and rigid to be have conscientiousness. Is this is correct? Is this What's the reason for this? What's this about? What's happening? We question our actions. We develop that sense of scrupulousness. And in particularly when we do this, we can notice uh, uh, the, thing that, the, the thing that comes up as a kind of counteraction of that is something that says, oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, and you can always feel the gesture of the shrug, uh, the dismissal. You know, what actually happens at that particular moment is called the, the, the quashing or the squashing of scruples. You just push something aside. And it is a shrug. It's the body shrugs, you know. Whether we, whether we actually physically act that out, it's a kind of shrugging of the shoulders, which means I'm not carrying this anymore. Boof, off. You know, or, or, we, or there's a movement of the hand. It's, ah, pushes brush it off, dismiss it. And that, that's, um, whether we're actually physically acting that way or not, that particular movement of the heart is is uh, quite a, a common kind of uh, pressure release. <sighs> Suddenly, oh, forget it, drop it, who cares, that's not important, I can walk away from this, shrug it off. And uh, I guess in, in ordinary life that most of us will, will, will do this because we don't know what else to do. You know, the pressure builds up, it gets difficult, intolerant, too, too difficult to bear. So just, you know, walk away, blow this enough. Um, and probably in, in a conventional life, much more useful than just blowing up <laughs> or, or impacting you know so to say uh, not you know kind of you know being righteous about this quality I, I have done it and do do it myself as a way of it's just releasing some of the, the pressures that build up I would say it's not an enlightened quality uh, it, it points to something isn't there that can actually handle this. So we recognize it isn't to start, you know, wagging a finger at it in some disapproving way, but, oh, what's that? Something can't manage this. Manage this bit of conflict, this bit of of resistance, this bit of frustration, this bit of something's gone into overwhelm, and this is the gesture that gets me out of being overwhelmed, tightening up or panicking or feeling useless. Poof. Um, and this is uh, so it, it can be something that occurs over particular points of conduct you know, or it can be things that occur in terms of uh, meditation practices you know it gets too difficult to, to just to be present and just poof, blow it off out you know and then what do we do maybe very innocuous things may just go for a walk, read a book, have a nap. Things that are not, uh, in ordinary sense of the word, wrong. But we can see we, we've kind of moved away from the edge. And admittedly, perhaps, for you know, many of us, all of us, at some time or another, this perhaps be the best thing we can do. Mm. Right now. 
But to be aware of that is very much a, a secondary, it's a kind of, you know, a worldly pressure release, mundane. Mm. So, see, so if, some, if, that, if one's mind is doing that, okay, fine. And then well, what, what, what's, what's, what's being covered? What would be getting away from? What is in that pressure? What's there? And then you stay with that. Can you feel it in your body? Where is it happening? Maybe tightening in the solar plexus, tightening in the shoulders, tightening in the in the head. It can be a variety of things. There are things associated with the will, which will probably be manifested most clearly in the solar plexus, in the hands. Hands might tighten up. Head might tighten up, which is which is a, a, something that's kind of saying force. You know, force is here. Okay, now, without leaving that area, uh, can we just hold that and right, just work on the bodily sense of that? Breathing in, breathing out. Is it possible to to come out of that particular state? It may be the fear-induced, which is more often associated with the heart, where there's a kind of collapsing in the heart, and the chest folds in, or wants to fold in, or want to huddle. Something just wants to huddle and get away. This is the, you know, when the, the tortoise puts his head in the shell, or the animal, little animal burrows, curls up in a ball, to get, to get away from the, get away from it. Mm. Okay, so let's stay with that without making any kind of, you know, moral indictment of that. <laughs> it should be another way, but just... So we, we, you know, you go to the bodily sense of these things and you don't have to get into some personality or ego statement about it. So the, the body may not be wise, but it's intelligent. It responds. Yeah. It may not know what to do, but it certainly feels and responds to what's happening. It doesn't leave the the the, the difficulty like our mind, our thinking mind does. Thinking mind skips somewhere else. The body's left there with it. You know, it's still there. The body's got nowhere else to dump it. Unless you you know we dump it on somebody else or uh, you know kick something or hug our teddy bears or whatever people do <laughs> you know it's got, it has to discharge somewhere and the body's at the end of the line <clears throat> but you can recognise also that um you can't um, heal the body through the normal process of thought, the thought-bound um, ideas, because these are, are often not body-based, they're socially based. That is, we learn how to think from speech. And, you know, speech is what other people say, first of all. So it's loaded with attitudes of um, what's right or good or you should be or shouldn't be or so forth. You know. So it's a social social conditioning. The topics, the way the attitudes of speech are socially learnt. So you can hear the blaming or the shaming or the fault finding or the, the praising or whatever it is. And these are things that kind of come from externally so that they get implanted. So then we tend to apply those attitudes towards our own Hearts and bodies and minds. So you can the complaining, the bullying, the uh, um, shaming, and so forth going on. Mm. Or the various kind of you know cop out things that um, we can we hear. So you can't trust the program thought, but you can trust the basic clarity 
which is what we're basing Vitaka Vichara on, the sense of you can focus and say, what's that? And how is that? Can do that. This is this is what we every other thought is something to to put aside for the time being. Except maybe maybe well. Provided <laughs> it's not too uh it doesn't get corrupted into cheer up, be happy, stop being that way. <laughs> but really, you know, so so even that such a such a thought can be have a certain amount of, of corruption in it. Now the body has an intelligence, it may not be that wise, but it has intelligence. So can generally the body can feel when the, the actual intent behind a thought is really, you know, not not trying to lay another trip on it. Trying to make it be something is a sense of really listening and investigating and asking, "How is it?" You might even say that the, uh, that we have to regain the trust of the body. The body is something we've ignored or dominated or abused over years. Then the body almost starts to to wince when it hears us coming. <laughs> with our ideas about sit up straight or be this way or go that way or bear with this or sit through that or you should try harder or something. The body sort of starts, oh, here he is again, that nutcase. <laughs> or, you know, so it's best to just keep these things to one side and just, well, how is it? You know, how is it? And when we ask how it is, very often there will be certain shifts and some of them will be take us into um, energies and places which feel quite um, powerful or compelling. Sinking, pushing, things moving around, tightening up. Body has an energy to it is the energy which we associate with when it's marshaled into doing something, you know, action energy, but there's also, you might say, the energy of presence, which is that in order to be intelligent, how intelligence works, this is a particular basic energy, rather like a, you know, electronic gadget, and then you, that, that energy is disturbed, and the disturbance forms a pattern that is then under, interpreted in a particular way. So you have this particular quality of, when the mind, when the system is very calm, the energy feels quite flowing and soft and rhythmic, and then maybe a loud noise comes, you can feel everything suddenly, there's a jump, tightens up, and then, you know, it releases again. Tightens up and releases again. Um... You can begin to discern this if you, you have the moments or times of calm. That actually, the, the first one with intelligence is just energetic. Before you even know or understand what's going on, there's something kind of responds as a twitch or a flicker. Your know, body senses that, the jump. And then slower. Is the is the relax coming out, which is much which is slower, kind of a slow relaxing coming out of that, and then a rapid jumping for obvious reasons when you associate these with the reflexes. Most important thing is to react, not to discharge. So the releasing is always quite is relatively slow. This is why one 
has to uh, uh, kind of develop a sympathetic mental and emotional energy to 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 uh, accommodate this, like allowing, giving time. Now this energy, the bodily energy, then. <coughs> Is, is continually there. It may be when we're ill, it may be quite low, or certain parts of the body may have a lot of it, and other parts not. It can be imbalanced. Um, one of the processes of samatha is just is steadying this, steadying and um, suffusing it, so the entire body feels suffused and uh, saturated and completed. The energy of the body is then um, cleaned and spread out and it's not tightened up, throttled, numb or uh, any of these other um, blemishes. And when, when energy... So if you recognize this, this kind of quality of energy can be occurring with every, every sense impact. We make the attempt to, to move around quietly. Um, it's irrespective of intent. It's just what sensory impact does. Visual, auditory particularly, tactile. So in samatha you, you try to m- monitor those things and just steady everything, you move steadily, you open things, you finish things off properly, you let things subside, it's not a jump kind of rhythm. And similarly when you meditate, you don't jump in and jump out, you, you attune, you tune in, you warm up, you investigate, you question, you pick up the theme, and then you work with it, and then you gradually you work with you, then it's time to come out, you determine putting this down now, coming back to the posture of the body, the space around, and so on. And so you, you come out. Mm. So the whole thing is is is, is steadily um, um, cultivated. Now we experience in terms of Sustaining a practice, experience all kinds of discomforts, and these will often uh, the energy naturally will tend to uh, produce patterns of discomfort when it's when it's affected. And these will tend to run along the fault lines in your body's system where it's already uh, difficult or wounded. So it's easy to to um, to just consider it, I'll just be physical pain, it's just physical pain. Because, you know, I've got a damaged hip or a wonky shoulder or a twisted jaw or something. And it's true, you know, one may have these physical um, difficulties, not to deny that, but they're enhanced because whenever there's a, a, a powerful affliction of some kind or even affliction we don't even isn't necessarily coming from external sensory impact, from psychological impact, you know, the sense of frustration or sadness, then that also affects the body's energy and then you'll find that particular places in the body will seem to be more stressed than usual. That old physical problem comes up again. And you can say, well, it's because I do have this physical problem which is true, um, but um, one can recognize this is to be like a, you know, a, a, like a crack in, in, a, in a vase or something. It's true, it's there, but it's, it, when you put pressure on it, it opens up. And the pressure uh, in, in meditation is not just the act, physical act of sitting, but also the psychological stressing. So, so not to, to, you know, dismiss 
these physical discomforts as being purely psychological or to say they're just purely physical, but to be able to kind of contemplate within that, recognizing wherever there's physical discomfort, and particularly when it's not associated with you know, direct physical pressure at this particular time, just realize these are probably places that one needs to attend to with a mind that's bent not on curing them, but on listening to them, listening inwardly to them. Should always be, foot, you know, remember that, uh, you know, with physical pain there is a structural problem, and certain parts of the body may not be able to handle that. The knees, particularly, are not very good at bearing that. They will tend to uh, break. <laughs> to put it bluntly, so there's a, you know, you can't dismiss all pain as just. You know, psychological. There are physical bases for it, but if we can, you know, with with the discomforts and pains that we experience, the body, you know, if it's not being damaged by this, can I investigate what kind of mood goes along with this? First of all, probably I don't. Obviously, I don't like it. You know, there's irritation, ill will, frustration. Sometimes one can feel a sense of despair. Oh, I can't deal with this again, you know. And so, in a way, this is a, an aspect of the of the of the um, the problem. So you can begin to then just work with not with the immediate reaction to that, which could be either dismiss it, go somewhere else, or you know push it around beat it down but with uh, so you, you avoid that initial reaction and then can you be with that in kind of open way contemplating the sensations and the and the moods that come up just like giving it more space even visualizing it or listening to it so this is when you use vitaka vichara in this way. What does it feel? It feels like a something twisting, or a, you know, something um, stabbing, or something pressing. And then what? What does that need? You might say, well, it needs some space or needs release. Hmm. But then allowing it, the body to do that by itself. So very often in my own practice, I get a, a whole a run of pain down the left side of the of the back, from the base of the skull down to the pelvis, down to the hip. It runs down, starts off just a few strokes, and after an hour or so, it builds up into a solid line of pain uh, and then I can feel the left shoulder starts to tighten up in order to protect itself from that mm. so if I practice with that I begin to just visualize or imagine the, this particular sensation it seems to be like um, like a metal rod being driven down through the body and I imagine it hold it in the mind and sometimes just doing that with a sense of wonder, like, oh, this just this, you know. So removing the ill will or the frustration. Sometimes just doing that, oh, it's like that, is enough for the body, the left shoulder starts to drop. Just these tiny little millimeters of it. The body shifts just to you know, a touch, but he hardly at all sometimes. But just the very attitude itself seems to allow a release to happen. And as with uh, all meditation practice, when 
You're always going to be aware of the sense of wanting something to happen. <laughs> if I do this, something will happen. You know, if I do this, this will make it another way. Because this this particular attitude, you know, uh, is again, it's 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 cramping. It's hold, it's holding it in the wrong way. It's holding in a, in a, a kind of aiming way, and aim in this sense. Um, you know, when it's very, when you're dealing with very, at this particular level, aim, aim gets in the way. Aim is good at a, at a kind of macro level of, well, I, you know, I really want to, you know, be with myself. I want to develop meditation. I want to realize nibbana. I want to. This is great. You know, you come down to the, this kind of very intimate, subtle level. that aim is, it tends to be uh, a hindrance. You know, it's it's. Make this not be the way it is, and so there's to be something that just gives up that the the relinquishment. I mean, it's, you know. so it's a, this is really a quietening of the will, or a, a shifting of the will from moving forwards or over into what will allow me. To, to be with this. This we might say is our first um, response. So samatha or calming, you know, we might say on the obvious level is first of all just to, to to resolve or to determine to sit, stand, walk, be with that, you know, practice like that, determining a particular frame of reference, the body. So it requires that that sense of focus, you know, focus, 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 holding it that way. And then as we as we hold within that, then the more other aspects of samatha, first of all is a sense of spaciousness, clarity, spaciousness, Empathy, that is, rather than um, reacting to, we feel with what the feeling, rather than feel something about the feeling. You know, rather than add another set of feelings to the feeling that's there, just feel with, echo it, resonate with that. Empathy, spaciousness. There's no particular aim or uh, expectation. Clarity. You keep. Focusing in, what is this? What is this? You know, clear. Just want to want to. And the more you you kind of uh, develop clarity, not in terms of things like the hardness or the roughness or the tightness or the softness or the fieriness. It's clarity in this particular way, not clarity of what what to do. It's clarity of of. Uh, Definition. So, what is all this uh, stress? Some of it, as I say, it can be the physical basis of physical damage, physical problems that that act as the channels for these. Um, stresses to run along. Mm. We might say simply the stress, the inherent stress is the stress of selfhood. Wanting to be, wanting to have, not wanting to be, wanting to get rid of, uh, and so on. Not wanting to be here, this kind of thing, which is, but we are. So the, the, the self, these self patterns are always much more limited than the truth. I don't want to be here, but whether you want it or not, here it is. So that, that not wanting to be is a much smaller definition than, than you know, here, here, here something is. It, it's it's bigger than me.
So a kind of uh, spaciousness also, the letting uh, is a, a certain surrender um, of that of that willfulness. And the willfulness is not necessarily directed voluntarily. It's not being, you know, deliberately um, stubborn. But there's a certain stubbornness of suffering. You know, something there that's toughened up and hardened and doesn't even recognize there could be another way. Um, and a whole personality pattern becomes established around these re- residual stubbornnesses that define the way I am, the way I'm going to be. They form the mold and uh, they're, they're resistant. Mm-hmm. And we have to work with these quite carefully. You can't smash it. But it's very much a sense of there could be another, it's accessible, you could be larger than this. And just that invitation. I don't have to have things go my way. It could be all right. I don't have to have people be the way that I think they should be. It could be all right. Another way. No. And something we doesn't don't want that. We could manage to abolish mornings altogether. In the ideal world, there'd be no morning. It would all start at <laughs> three in the afternoon or whatever. You know, <laughs> the ideal world where you get beautifully made tea delivered in bed, <laughs> and uh, given a couple of hours to slowly get it together. <laughs> But it could be possible to do it without, you know, no perishing thought. And, uh, so this, uh, of course, our, our normal self-patterning, which becomes quite resistant, is, is helped along by, by some external medium, isn't it? This is why it's a fallacy. Because you think, yeah, I, I'm all right on my own, provided I get my time, my ground coffee, my... <laughs> That's what I'm, being on my own means being with these things. <laughs> being what I like. <laughs> you don't recognize that you're not on your own, are you? You're, you're, you're with all these, oneself is propped up by my friends, my pastimes, my time off, my particular sen- little sensual habits, my little cozy me bits, you know. I don't want to let go of those. I can possibly stash a few away. So it is quite a, a, a long process of gradually giving up one's little stashes. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, kicking and screaming as one does so about the unfairness of it all. And you find out, oh, yeah, I can do without. Yeah, it's all right without, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And, uh, you know, these are kind of fairly obvious things, but we get down to much subtler things, you know, my little whimsies and pastimes. And but so, but you realise it is when you want to learn, you have to say it's not just you can't do this, you can't do that. Stop it, <laughs> uh, because that tightens everything up. You know, you can do that. But then that basically is still imposing that same thing from the head down, you know, the body goes, here he goes again, and it tightens up. Because it is that kind of, it is that kind of message, you can feel it in the tone of mind, the attitude. But impossible to just say, you know, you can be all that, but you realize that the more one, just to remember, the more we do that, the more we, um, you know, hold on to or this the self-structure. And there's going to be a price for that. A price we have to pay. It means that generally that way we pay it is by shrugging something off. Poof, meditation. Poof, sangha. Poof, <laughs> community. Poof. Chit hers, poof, me. <laughs> Shrug oneself off. 
just can't do it, you know. <laughs> that's that's where that's the last that's the last thing one can do. That's the, the final letter, isn't it? And uh, you know, first some of these things that one shrugs off are fairly well, okay, you know, you don't have to make an issue out of sitting still for an hour or so, whatever it is, you know. But then some, if you follow that line along, at the end of it, you end up, something ends up dismissing your, your life. You know, it starts off very small and it comes down to the, the final bit of it is, what's the point of anything? And, uh, you know, people who do that, generally do that, then you go into drink or drugs or something and then spin around for a while and then crash and then, oh, I've really got to try and do something to pull myself together and then try again, you know, so we can keep wanging backwards and forwards across this this hurdle that we can't quite get over, this hurdle of my myself, you know, can't quite get over it. So, you know, realising is a powerful one. Is the hurdle. <clears throat> so we're trying to recognise there that it's going to be pressure there and strain there and and not not succeeding there. Can I how do, can, how do I accommodate that without just dismissing it or collapsing or whatever? And we can. So this is where the pressure then comes into the the, the body. And in mindfulness of body and samatha, you, you can begin to learn how you can, in in that zone itself, you can begin to release because those what the the physical sensations, particularly on this somatic level, are related to particular energy patterns where the energy is constricted, where it doesn't know where to go. Hmm. So the more we can both have a sense of of the body as an energy experience, the the sensations of it, the pressures of it, the the general tone of it, and then study that so so you you begin to feel what balance is like because we're not completely messed up. You know, we go into dangerous pieces, but there is a fundamental underlying health there. That's what it's like when I am in my good space. It's like that. I feel quite large, round, warm, bright, whatever it is. Yeah, that's, you know. And then this is the other bit, you know, twisted, collapsed, crunched up, you know. Oh. And you can move from one to the other. It can be that movement. So it is important or very valuable to have the the, the reference to, to the, the the sense of when one's energy, one's his bodily energy is um, more wholesome or whole or as wholesome as the better bit anyway. So we bear that in mind, and then contemplating the, the current state. So in a way, just just those two impressions are there, you know. And then can we, the massage or the the breathing or the the calming and suffusing from the tight state, the flat state, to the open or relaxed state. And it's really, you know, not doing much with the mind, the thinking mind, so much as just the acknowledging there's this and then remembering there's that. We're not doing anything more. Acknowledging this, remembering that and tracing where the energy is. Right now it's running up my back. What would it be like if it was um, spreading all over the body? Mm. So when it feels narrow, what would it be like if it were wide? When it's all tightened up in one place, what would it be like if it was 
over the whole body or over a larger part of the body, just, just that suggestion can be the hint that the body is intelligent, it can hear that. Because you're not saying do this so much just presenting it, it doesn't feel the pressure. Oh, yeah, I do have hands. I don't, I'm not just a kind of knot under my, uh, under my ribs. I do have hands and legs. So in a way, we, we let, by letting your attention move from the, the narrow to the wide, in this, uh, this kind of open, kindly way, you're creating a kind of pathway. Because wherever the, the mental energy goes, it creates a kind of track. Because the, the en- energy, although we say the body energy, but it's all bound up with the, the emotional and the um, articulation energy. So if we almost describe a pattern of health, in a way that creates momentarily a kind of an impression that the body energy can move towards. If you keep describing the, the place of illness, you know, um, then actually you can you can begin to tighten it up or or, or amplify it. So we're not to think about to acknowledge resonate and then suggest the release so when it's you seem to be all down in the pit of your belly what would it, what would, what is the what would it be like if there was something in your chest what would that feel like and slowly, because the the movement is not suddenly you, you do anything, but you, what's happening in your chest? Just the inquiry, and then you feel you feel that the, as attention moves up there, then sensation moves with it. The energy is shifting. If it feels blocked or resisted in some way. What is that resistance? Um, wh- one powerful form of resistance is is fear. I don't I don't touch that. I don't want to open that up. You know, something stops that. When what does the resistance itself? What what is that about? What does what does that feel like? Hmm. What does that need? more space, more time, gently. Of course, you know, the most fundamental um, bodily healing tool is the, is the breath, the breath energy, which is always fundamentally healthy because it is the life, the refreshing the cleaning for the body is the breath, the breathing. So that itself may be quite, um, you know, resist, choked in places or not very articulate, but there will be some part of it which is still there, otherwise you'd be dead by now. So you've got to have some bit of goodness in there. And you know, just focus on the good bit. And what would that be like if that were longer or wider or richer or brighter is what would it feel like and the more we can you know enhance the breathing the more that the energy of that is capable of producing the right effects for release because breathing is exactly you know the the perfect um, touch for the body the perfect touch It, it suffuses it doesn't jump, it spreads, it's gentle, it's uh, complete. So breathing into the 
the tightness or the pain or the dullness. Breathing up through it, breathing down through it, spreading is the perfect agent for the sense of rhythmic approach, suffusion, spaciousness, no hurry, and um, not directed by by desire or, or force. It happens by itself. <coughs> If the breathing itself is defended, or you can't access that, then you have to pick up that sign um, with the heart, you know, so that the quality of attention is is um, steered through that with those uh, with those um, attitudes in mind: the suffusive, the steady, the repeated, the rhythmic, the thing which doesn't aim. He's not trying to change anything, he's just moving through things. All the afflictions will tend to um, tighten and localize your sense. As you'll, you'll find yourself stuck in a particular mental pattern or a particular source of aggravation or a particular problem with a particular person or a particular part of your body or a particular memory, or, you know, localize and, and closes down. So essentially we're going to the, something more universal and wider till we come to you know, the widest, which is a basic clarity, basic ground, um, holding the space, basic empathy. Letting the body sit within that. Breathe within that. Walk within that. <coughs> 